You are listening to the weekly podcast of City Church Orlando, located just off of 1792 at 650 Airport Boulevard in Sanford, Florida. Our website, orlandocitychurch.org. Today, Lead Pastor Eugene Smith will continue with our series called The Miracles of Jesus. Again, we will be discussing another miracle. This time, it is the story of when Jesus heals a man born blind. We all have a spiritual blindness where we simply cannot see Jesus for who he really is. Amazing grace, I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Our scripture text comes from John chapter 9, starting at verse 1. Today's message is entitled, The Blind Side. We've been in a series on miracles for the last couple of weeks, and specifically, we've been talking about miracles that Jesus did when he lived on this planet. But sometimes we, we, we tend to think of miracles in a historical context of something that happened thousands of years ago to other people. But I want to... I want to declare to you today, and I want to challenge you today to begin to think differently about the possibilities of God working on your behalf. You see, this morning, no matter what your situation or where you find yourself today, I want you to know that the work and the will and the way of Jesus, the way of Jesus is the same. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he has the power to change your world. So this morning, I want to shake you a little bit. I want to challenge you a little bit in your understanding and your thinking of what Jesus could do in your life. I heard a story one time, and there was a lady, man, she was just really beyond herself. She was just screaming, this blood-curdling scream, and there was a guy that was walking down the street, and he heard the scream coming from the house, and I mean, the scream just got, kept getting more intense and more intense as he got closer to the house, and, and then he got right next to the house, and I mean, he could just tell that there was a woman who was in great desperation inside the house. And so he walked up to the door, and he started to knock, and, he start, and when he knocked, the lady just immediately, come in, come in, come in, please help me. And so he ran in, and when he ran into the house, there was this little boy, and he was just holding on to his throat. He was completely blue. He couldn't even hardly choke. I mean, he was literally looked like he was dying. And so the man ran over, and he picked the little boy up, and he just began to shake him, and he began to shake him, and then he popped him on the back, and all of a sudden this quarter came flying out of his mouth, and the boy began to breathe. And the mother, I mean, she was just so ecstatic. She began to rejoice, and she jumped and grabbed this guy by the neck, and she said, how in the world did you ever learn how to do that? He said, ma'am, I've been an IRS agent for 25 years. (laughs) I want to shake you this morning. I want to shake your world and the way that you think about the miracles of Jesus and the potential that there is for you today to receive from God. You see, God's never changed. God doesn't change. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to turn to the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John. And we're going to look at another miracle that Jesus performed while he lived on the face of the earth. John chapter 9, and we're going to begin with verse number 1. How many of you brought your Bibles this morning? All right. As soon as you get to John chapter 9, verse number 1, say, I got it. All right, most of you got it, so let's go ahead and get it then. John chapter 9, beginning with verse number 1. And the Bible says, now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind. Everyone say blind. 
from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Everyone say blind. And Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sin, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Everyone say light. And when he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay and the, and with the saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. Everyone say clay. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. And he went and washed and came back seen. Therefore the neighbors and those who had previously had seen that he was blind said, is not this he who sat and begged? Some said, this is he. Others said, he is like him. He said, I am he. Therefore they said to him, now how were your eyes open? And he answered and said, a man called Jesus, everyone say Jesus, made clay and anointed my eyes and said to him, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and I received sight. Everyone say sight. Now skip down to verse number 25. And he answered and said, Whether he is a sinner or not, speaking of Jesus, I do not know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. Let's pray. Father, in these next few moments, by the power of your Spirit, God, I pray that those whose hearts are here today, who've come with great problems, great challenges, great circumstances, Lord, at the hearing of your word and the mention of your name, Jesus, that you would begin to do what only you can do. I thank you today, Lord, for every person that's here. I thank you that you're the God who has never changed. And Lord, I ask right now that your grace be upon the hearers that are here. Give them spiritual hears, the ability to hear beyond just my words. Let them become your words, words of life. And Lord, I pray today for myself that you will use me to communicate this truth, that you are the God who has never changed. God, we ask your blessing. We ask your grace and kindness to be upon this day in your wonderful and awesome name. Amen. Everyone said amen. So this guy was blind. The reality this morning is that afflictions and problems are a part of life. They're a part of everyone's life. There is no one that's ever been born on planet Earth that hasn't had problems and challenges and afflictions. We all have them. The mystery isn't that we have them. The mystery is, really the mystery is what we do with them. What amazes me so many times is to see people who really understand this is part of life and the way they go through it. What doesn't amaze me is when we don't respond correctly. But it does amaze me at times to see people who respond, through, who respond to afflictions and challenges with a great grace. Right now there's two people, one person in particular that I know very well that's dying with stage 4 cancer. And we're all dying, but they're just farther along in the process. And I've been amazed to watch this person, how they've fought the good fight of faith, and they've done everything they know to do, and they continually de- declare the goodness of God. There's a pastor right now in Tulsa, Oklahoma, pastor of the church of 17,000 people. His name is Billy Joe Dowdery. 
and t- the church's Victory Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And about three months ago, he's 50-some years of age, three months ago they found stage 4 cam- cancer on his esophagus. And today his fa- uh, family, I, I saw it on Facebook this morning, his family is gathered all around him, and they're literally praying as he's entering into heaven's glory. You know, I'm amazed many times when I see people and how they respond, but so many times we don't respond the right way to afflictions. We don't respond the right way to challenges because many times we look at the problems and the situations of our life and we fail to see the one who has already provided the solution. I want you to see this here. The Bible says, now Jesus, now Jesus passed by and he saw a man who was blind from birth. Jesus saw this man. You see, Jesus sees you today. He knows every detail about your life. He knows every situation and every circumstance that's come down the pike. He knows everything about you. There's nothing that catches God by surprise. When Jesus sees you, he sees you as a person who has the potential and the possibility to believe for his divine intervention in your life. You know, sometimes we get really concerned about why we're where we're at. But when I look at the stories in the Bible, Jesus really wasn't that concerned about why people were where they were at. I read this years ago, and C.S. Lewis is the one that wrote this, but it says that God whispers to us in our pleasures, and he speaks in our conscience, but he shouts in our pain. You see, sickness can be God's megaphone to draw our attention back to him. The Bible, all throughout the Bible, people have wrestled with this issue of suffering and pain. It's not new. The issue isn't whether or not we're going to have suffering and pain and tribulations. It's just what we do with it. You see, the tendency is we want to put all the people's problems back on themselves. You see, when the people looked at this man, they saw a man, and they even asked this question. Whose fault was this? Was it his fault, or was it his parents' fault? You know, there's a, a religious worldview that teaches that if you're not a very good person, that when you come back in the next life, which was never going to happen, you're not going to come back in the next life. But if you come back in the next life, you might come back as a cockroach or something not so good, so you better do good things. There's actually a worldview, a religion that teaches that. You see, the Bible doesn't teach that. Jesus declared, Jesus declared that when a person lives, that he will die, and if he believes in Jesus, he will live forever see, there's a complete difference with the life that God offers is a life of eternity, a life of eternal life, of resurrection life, a life of relationship with our God forever and ever. You see, the person and the work of Jesus is so clearly revealed in this man's life. I want you to see in verse, verse number four, the Bible says, And Jesus said, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no man can work. See, Jesus really isn't that interested in the whys and the how comes. I mean, we get really caught up of, and why we are where we are at. How come we are where we are at? Now, I'm not saying we should know how we got to where we're at, but let me tell you today, when Jesus enters into your world, he's going to deal you, with you in a right now moment. He's going to deal with the circumstances and the situation of your life where you are right now, where you are right now. And see, and when Jesus deals with you right now and you believe, your future will change. Paul says it like this in 2 Corinthians. Old things, the old way will pass away, but Jesus will give you a new way of life. You see, Jesus wants to work in the now of your life. 
He was passing by at that very moment in this man's life. This, blind, this man's blindness had been a handicap, a liability, all the days of his life. But Jesus was about to take his afflictions and calamities of a birth and do the works of God. To do the works of God. See, Jesus can turn your suffering this morning into good. Jesus made it clear that he wasn't here to explain the mysteries of evil, but to remove the cause and to break its power. I love this verse in the Bible. It's found in Luke chapter 4, verse 17 and 18. But in Luke chapter 4, Jesus said it like this, For the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has appointed me to preach good news. Everyone say good news. He has appointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the captives will be released, and the blind will see that the downtrodden will be freed from their oppressors, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. You see, Jesus is the light of the world. And whatever your spiritual blindness, whatever your physical blindness, whatever your handicap is today, I'm here to tell you that Jesus is your light, and he is the source of your solution. Someone give the Lord a great big hand clap this morning. Jesus came here to do the works of him who sent him, and that was to glorify God. That's why God has called you. God has a work for you to do. God has a purpose for you. God has a plan for you. And this morning, your life and my life is about bringing glory to God, honoring God. What does that mean? You know what that means? It means simply to do what God has asked you to do. And that's the activation of your faith. You see, I want you to see Jesus asked this man to do something. Look at here, verses 7 and 8 with me. The Bible says, and when he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay. Now, I don't know about you, but this is kind of an offensive thing to me. I mean, can you imagine if, if I got a broom up here and I got every single piece of dust and I went across the stage here and I just swept it all up into one little ball in here and I just, and I spit and then I made myself a little mud patty and I said, anybody here wear glasses? And you're like, yeah, I got glasses. Come on up here. We're going to put some mud patties in your eyes, and you're going to be healed. You're like, no way. You're crazy. Come on. Isn't that right? I mean, isn't this an offensive passage? I don't know about you, but it it offends me a little bit. You know, but the reality is, is that when Jesus calls a person many times, when he calls them, it seems offensive. Jesus offended people's sensibilities all the time. They couldn't understand why Jesus' disciples would do good on the Sabbath. They couldn't understand why Jesus' disciples didn't wash their hands before they eat. Jesus did all kinds of things that offended the sensibilities of good and respectable people. Because many times what seems to be ridiculous to the natural mind is the very thing that God will put on your life. And what we call the ridiculous, when we're willing to step out and do it, God will do the miraculous. Now, this guy didn't care. This guy, number one, he couldn't see Jesus spitting on the ground and making a mud putty. Amen? I mean, he couldn't see it. He didn't know what, he heard something, but he didn't know what was going to happen. You see, Jesus did it for everybody else. Jesus did it for everybody else that was around to see. Jesus wanted them to see that when God begins to work in a person's life, many times it seems ridiculous to the natural man. You know, Jesus... All kinds of ways in the Bible we see that Jesus worked miracles. All kinds of things that he did. There are many things that the Bible tells us that we're to do. 
The Bible tells us that we're to pray to a God that we cannot see. You see, to the natural mind, that's ridiculous. The Bible also tells us to pray specifically to the God of gods, and his name is Jesus. You see, to the natural mind, that doesn't make any sense. Well, what about all these other ways, and what about all these other religions, and what about all these other faiths? And Jesus says, I don't really care about all those other ways and all those other religions. If you're going to get to the Father, if you're going to have my supernatural power released in your life, the only way to God is through me, through Jesus. Offend sensibilities of the natural mind. I remember years ago, I was sitting at a, a, a breakfast table with my grandmother who had just kind of been one of these typical American peoples, you know, just kind of believed in any way to God. Pray to Santa Claus, pray to whoever. Well, you know, if they had a need, maybe to pray to whom it may concern is literally what they would do. And many of you are here today. I mean, you have pray to whoever. You know, whoever, somebody up there, whoever's up there. I want you to know that the somebody up there, his name is Jesus. And the Bible says that Jesus came from heaven's glory. He left a place called heaven to come to a place that many of us experience hell. He left a place where there was no sickness to enter a world that was full of sickness. He left a place that was only full of hope to come to a place where people were helpless. You see, I want you to know today that that Jesus, when he came in the form of man, the Bible calls that the incarnation. God who dwelt among us. God who lived among men. And when he came onto the planet earth and he began to walk, the Bible says that he began to do many great and mighty works. And the people were amazed. They were amazed at his mighty works. You see, when Jesus begins to work in people's lives, people will be amazed. See, what I've discovered in my life is that people really aren't that offended about Jesus. What people are offended at is sometimes the people that represent Jesus. But when you begin to talk about what Jesus has done and how he's changed people's lives, and when you begin to talk about the relationship and the sense of peace and the restoration of heart and the forgiveness of sin and the healing of marriages and the healing of physical bodies, like we just heard that testimony from Fatu. I mean, I remember Fatu coming to a prayer meeting on a Saturday night, and there were about 20 of us. And she told us, the doctor said to abort my baby. And I said, you're baby is not going to die. You remember that thought too. I looked, I said, your baby is not going to die. That's a word from the devil. Devil has come to kill, still and to destroy, but Jesus has come to give life. And I remember praying that Saturday night, praying and calling on the God of heaven to release faith and healing into her body. And I also remember while I was praying, thinking, oh my, what if something doesn't work out? Wonder if it doesn't happen that way. You see, Fatu had to take a step of faith. She had to believe the word of the Lord versus the word of the doctors. You see, the doctor said, you should abort this baby. But King Jesus said, I've come to give life and to give it more abundantly. Come on, give the Lord a great big hand clap. It's ridiculous in the natural It seems ridiculous to obey the words of a pastor praying on a Saturday night versus a trained man who spent eight years in college with two years uh, doing his internship. It seems ridiculous to believe the report of the word of God. But I want you to know today, when you begin to put your faith and your confidence in the living God and not the words of men, miracles and the supernatural begins to be reactivated and released in your life. Someone said amen this morning. You see, it looked ridiculous. And the miraculous might require that we do the ridiculous. People will lay hands on you, maybe. 
People will anoint you with some olive oil in the middle of your forehead. You're like, what's that about? See, these things are physical acts that release our faith. When Jesus was walking on the water, he told Peter, he said, Peter, come on out of the boat. You see, if change is going to take place in your life, you got to be willing to take the next step. So many people have just said in their home, and God, I need a job, and they're playing their Xbox, whatever they call the game, and okay, Lord, I need you to ring, make that phone ring, and somebody needs to give me a job, and they won't get up, and they won't go out and knock on a door, and that job ain't ever going to happen. You see, God's called you to activate, to take that step of faith. What happens when you know that God is your Jehovah Jireh? You don't just stand. You don't just wait. You just, you begin to activate. You begin to step. You begin to move forward. You begin to, you begin to release. You begin to seek. You begin to ask. You begin to knock. And the Bible says when you do that, that faith that's released in your life, the door will be open. James says it like this, and I love this verse. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. But there's blindness. You know, there's a real problem in our culture. I call it the blindness of unbelief. You see, this man was naturally blind. He couldn't see. But there's a way greater problem in the hearts and lives of men and women on planet Earth. And it's the blindness of unbelief. The blindness of unbelief. His neighbors, they didn't believe. I mean, I mean, how, come on, you've been, your whole life, you've always had that problem. You've always, you know, since I've known you as a teenager, you've always had that addiction. I mean, you, you've, you've always done it like that. You can't change. You didn't go to the right school. You don't have the right education. I mean, I mean that can't happen in your life. You've, you, you've always had that problem with that addiction. That can't change in your life. You see, people will look at you the way that they know you, but they don't see you the way that God sees you. And I want to declare to you that God sees you completely different from your mother, from your father, from your neighbor, from your brother, from your sister, from your coworker. God sees you as his child. Someone said amen. Oh, come on. God sees the potential and the possibility and the power of his spirit being released supernaturally within you. You were created by God. You were made by God. You were fashioned by God. God doesn't want you to stay exactly the same that you are. When you begin to follow him, he'll begin to lead you. And if you get up like that man last week that we talked about and picked up your mat and you begin to follow the Lord, things will begin to change in your life. You'll begin to see things happen that the only explanation is that God God went before you. I want you to know today the possibility for the supernatural power of God to be released in your life is today. It's now. You see, this man had Jesus walk his way that day. I want you to know at the sound of my voice today, Jesus is here. We've worshiped Jesus. We praise Jesus. We proclaim Jesus' name. Now I'm proclaiming and preaching to you about this person by the name of Jesus who loves you, who died for you, who rose from the dead just for you and all the potential and the possibilities that came from heaven are available to you someone said amen in the house this morning you see there's the blindness of unbelief the blindness of skepticism I don't know about you but many times my natural tendency is to be skeptical to be skeptical the religious people were skeptical how could this happen how could it happen they should have been asking who made this happen They were asking the wrong questions. They were asking the wrong questions. How could that happen? I don't believe that. I don't know about that. 
that's those weird people over there. That's weird. I don't know. You know, my natural tendency when someone's trying to sell me something is I trust you, but I just want to verify it. You know, I trust you, but let me check that out. I kind of trust you. Let me Google that real quick and see if that's true. Isn't that right? There's something in our human nature. There's something within us. Jesus spit on the ground, made a mud putty, stuck it in the guy's eyes. And he said, go and wash. And the guy just went and did it. But lots of people didn't believe. Lots of skepticism. Lots of unbelief. Surrounded by it. The religious pride that surrounded him. Well, it didn't happen in my church that way. God can't do it. It, It's not written in the Bible that it happened that way, so there's no way that God could do it. Let me tell you, religious people always want to box God into a little, tiny, small world. I remember as a young Christian, I went to a church on a Sunday night, and, man, they were having church. And this church, I mean, they were just having church, and the organ was going, and the people were, you know, doing that. and They were just going for God, and... And at the end of the service, we were just talking to some of the people, and one of the associate pastors came over to, to, to the guy that I was with myself and began to talk to us. And, and he began to say, hey, you know, yeah, you guys are Christian. I said, yeah. He said, well, how were you baptized? And I said, well, I was baptized the way my church did it, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He goes, oh, no, no, that ain't no good. He said, you weren't baptized in the right formula. You're not a Christian. I'm looking at him like, what? you got to be kidding me. What do you mean? Let me tell you where I've come from. Let me tell you where I've been. Let me tell you what happened the moment that Jesus came into my life. I once was blind, but now I see. I once had addictions, but now I'm a free man. I once was broke, busted, and disgusted, but now God has set me free financially. Let me tell you where I've been and where I am today. Don't tell me that I'm not saved. And I just turned around. I said, man, dude, see ya. But see, I didn't do it according to his little pattern. I didn't get baptized the way that he said, I should get baptized. And there's a lot of religious people that want to box it in. Well, they come from this tradition, so God's got to do it this way. And let me tell you, God loves to scramble. He loves to color outside the lines of your life. But he's looking for a people who are willing to believe. He's looking for a people who are willing to believe. If you read the rest of the story, you would see his parents were really afraid. His parents were afraid of what people thought. Years ago, my best friend in high school, I led him to Christ. I prayed the prayer with him. I remember God working in his life. I said, hey, you got to go back and tell your dad. You go back and tell your brothers that you've given your life to the Lord. He couldn't do it. He was afraid. He was afraid of what his family would think. He was afraid of what his family would think that he was now following the God that changed Eugene's life. He was really afraid. He couldn't do it. He never could go and tell, full of fear. Some of us today, we're full of fear. We're full of fear about our future. You see, fear paralyzes you. Fear causes you to just be blocked in and see limitations and see the impossibilities and see the problems. And fear just limits your ability to see God work. You see, the Bible says it's by faith. It's by faith that mountains are moved, not fear. Over 60 times in the Bible, God says to his people, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. Do not fear. He actually uses these words to the prophet Jeremiah. He says, do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says 
the Lord. When we allow wrong judgment, skepticism, religious pride, or fear to grip our lives, we are blind, not physically, but spiritually this morning. You see, when Jesus was on the face of the earth, people that were paralyzed by wrong judgment, people that were paralyzed by skepticism, people that were paralyzed by religiosity, people that were paralyzed by fear, their lives were full of unbelief. And when Jesus walked on the face of the earth, the Bible says that he actually said this. Then he went into his hometown. He could do no mighty miracles because of their unbelief. And he was amazed. He was amazed. Here he was, God, who everywhere he went only did good. People had heard of his fame. Thousands of people would follow him through the countryside. And he would sit on a hill and he broke bread and fed 20,000 people with five loaves and a couple of fishes. And over and over they saw the works of Jesus. But they still couldn't believe. Still couldn't believe. How can it happen to me? How could my life be changed? You know, I've been doing this 50 years. What I've discovered is it's way easier to teach a little child to believe than to teach a person who's 50 or 60 years old who's lived a life just kind of doing it their own way. There's just a little child just believes. A teenager comes to this church, and they come here by the hundreds. Literally, they come to this church every week, every single week, and they come, and they hear the message of hope. They hear the message of Christ. They feel the presence of God in the worship, and they believed. And I've watched it over and over and over as I've seen young people come into this church and they give their life to Christ. And they're not perfect, but they are changed. And they know that the power and the source for their future is found in Jesus. You see, they're not all messed up with years of unbelief and years of skepticism and years of fear. See, I want you to know today that no matter where you're at, no matter the problem of your life, Jesus is here. Jesus is here. This is the last thing that we see in this man's life. He said, listen, guys, I don't know about this Jesus. You say he's a sinner. All I know is that I was once blind, but now I see. I don't know. I don't know. Well, you know, you can have all kinds of arguments about other different ways and paths, but let me tell you today, I don't know about all those other things, but I once was blind, but now I see. It's the power of the personal testimony. This morning, we have a little boy and a mom that are going to come and share their testimony. And I want you to hear, I want you to open your heart as God speaks through this power of the personal testimony today. Osa, if you could come on up with Silas at this time. Let's give Osa and Silas a great big hand this morning. Good morning, Osa. Hey, Silas, come on, man. You're going to give the devil double for his trouble today. Awesome. He did so great. Silas, in the first service, he said all the way through, and I was so proud of him. And Osa, tell, why don't you tell us where you're from? I'm from Sweden. From Sweden. Everybody say, hi, Osa. Osa from Sweden. Now, Osa, God has done some really cool things. You haven't always been a Christian, have you? No, it was uh, around 21, when I was around 21, that God sent another missionary to my work, and she shared really that Okay, and, were, and you were in Sweden at the time? Yes. You were in Sweden, yeah. and you were university trained? Yes. Okay. And uh, somebody came and began to tell you about Jesus. That's right. And what was your first thoughts when somebody told you about Jesus? What, what was the first things that you were thinking? Okay. Radical. Radical. She really spoke to me and said, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. 
and no one comes to the Father except through me. So it was like, you know, you, you were a skeptic, weren't you? You didn't really believe. I was very skeptical. You were very skeptical. Yeah. But something happened. Tell us what happened. At the time of salvation? Yeah, tell us what happened. What yeah, tell about. us how you came to believe. Okay. As she said those words, and as Pastor just shared, I had gone through university and going through all that, there are different kind of professors in each class. Each one of them truly believe what they are teaching, claiming their truth. And here this missionary from the Philippines coming to Sweden saying, there is only one truth. And she said, don't take my word for it. This is God's word. So she really challenged me to take the Bible and to read it for myself. And so you started reading the words of yeah. God. And what happened in your heart? Oh, little by little, but with no doubt, God was really touching and speaking to me. And you said yes to him. You asked Jesus to come into your life? I really did. And at that moment, you knew something happened. Isn't that right? Yes. And you felt his presence. And so let's fast forward now. So, God, you meet your husband, you get married, and you feel called to the country of? Bolivia. Bolivia. So you go to Bolivia, and you're working, and you're telling other people about Jesus. Isn't that right? That's right. And so you're down in this country, and you, you now have a couple of children, and you have a little boy right over here, and he's your third child. Is that right? Almost. 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 Okay. Yes. So God calls us to go out and tell the world about Jesus, just like the lady did to me. And he called us to Bolivia, South America. At this time, when we went to first and we had one, by the time this little boy comes, he's number four. Number four. So Silas is number four. Wow. Yes. Awesome. Oh, God is Very so good. Very cool. God is good. <laughs> Amen. But there was a problem with Silas, wasn't there? It really was. And, and how, how old was Silas when you first really realized that there was something wrong? We had three months of a wonderful, calm little baby compared to our colic baby that we had there time before. Okay, so Silas was so, really calm. He was so calm, and I just thanked God until month number three when I realized there something wasn't right. There is too much calmness in this baby. So he wasn't acting and responding like a normal baby. So tell us a little bit about what uh, the doctor said about Silas. Mm. As we took him into the doctor in Bolivia, and I don't want to talk down the medical situations, but this is a third world country. So we contacted the only American-trained doctor that was down there. And he, he measured his skull and realized that his skull hadn't grown since he was three weeks old, and now he's three months old. So with that in mind, we really thought that the brain was pushing on the eyes. We didn't know how much was actually wrong with him. And the doctor just said, if you can go to America. So tell us, what was the problem with him? He could, what couldn't he do? He couldn't see. He was, so he was blind. He was blind. This okay. is, I'm learning this as I'm coming to America. I had the doubts down in Bolivia, but as we came to America, we learned he was blind. He was deaf. And he had a whole bunch of neurological problems because he didn't respond. He didn't smile. He didn't. So his motor skills. So he was blind and he couldn't, he couldn't see, but he couldn't hear in his motor skills. Yes. So God, God began to speak to you. Tell us what God was doing. Well, you're getting this bad report. Tell us what God was speaking into your heart. Mm. As the bad reports were coming, and, and I'm just giving you a little bit here because quickly Simon, my other son, was actually at this time in the hospital in emergencies down in Bolivia getting IVs. And, you know, when hardship comes, it comes. It doesn't change God, Afflictions but happen. it comes. It's part of life. Absolutely. So in that, when millions 
I don't know if it was millions, but definitely thousands of people around the world praying. There came a day we still hadn't got any results back how to help him in his situation. God spoke to me in a very personal way. And the first time, and this is the only time I have heard God speaking to me. But as he spoke, he said that Silas was going to be healed. And what did you do? What did you say? I said, that's good, God, the first time. <laughs> the second time when he said the same thing again, I realized this is God, I believe. And I so just trusted God. And I looked down at my son at this time. And my son, who has never smiled, who has never looked at me, looked right at me and smiled. Come on. Amen. Give the Lord a great big hand clap. Hey, Silas, Yay. come on up here. Silas was born blind, and he was born deaf. And now Silas can see. And now Sil Silas, can you hear me? Can you wave to the people? Come on, wave to the people. Oh, awesome. Come on, everybody wave to Silas. You see, this is the God that we serve. The God that we serve is able to make the impossible possible. You first heard God. You weren't quite sure, were you? Is that really God? Is that you? No. But you did believe. I believed, and uh, no one can take away the realness of God. And as you've been preaching, he's our father. He loves I'm us. I'm his daughter. Amen. Yeah. Amen. And he's also Silas' father, and he has good things in store for Silas. But not just for Silas this morning. He also has it for you. Let's give Osa and Silas a great big hand this morning. Please, I'm going to close just now, but listen. The Bible says that faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So I told you a story that happened 2,000 years ago of a man who was born blind. And Jesus touched his life. And that man saw Osa, God, I think, I, I think I'm hearing you. You know, the amazing thing about God is he works with us in our imperfections. He knows exactly where you're at today. You might feel this morning that, you know what, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy of God working in my life. You know, this little boy Silas, I mean, that's a terrible thing that he was born blind. But there's a greater, there's a greater terribleness of the human condition. It's the blindness of our spirit and of our soul. The inability to be able to see Jesus for who He really is. To not really know Jesus as your personal Savior. To not have a right relationship with the God who made you is a way greater blindness. And there might be someone here today, you know you're blind. You know, if God was to come to you today and say, listen, hey, your, your last breath is today. I mean, if this was your last moment, and then you took your last breath, and you went into eternity, and all of a sudden you were standing before God, and He says, hey, why should I let you in my heaven? You say, well, hey, God, I was a good person. I went to that church, on, you know, the Thanksgiving service, and, you know, God, I tried to be nice to my neighbor, and He's like, that's not good enough. See, you were still spiritually blind because you don't understand what Jesus came to do for you. See, you have to not only believe that there is a God. Great, you believe it, that there is a God. You believe all the world believes that there's a God. You got to go beyond belief. You got to know that God. You have to have a relationship with Him. Also, she said, I'm 
God's child. God revealed himself to her and she came to the point where she believed. And then God allowed this circumstance to come into her life for a day just like today for you to hear the power of the testimony. The power of the possibility to change your world. You say, oh, that's good for Osa. Listen, I don't know how to make this any more clear to you today. What happened for someone else, God wants to do for you. He's no respecter of persons. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the first thing i got to make sure today is that everyone in this room understands that God does have an awesome, incredible plan for your life. But it only comes when you have a personal relationship with Jesus. It's the doorway. It's the entrance. Thanks for listening to this message, The Blind Side, with lead pastor Eugene Smith. For service times and more information about City Church Orlando, please visit our website anytime at orlandocitychurch.org or call 407-321-9600.